So good morning listeners and welcome to Come and See Inspirations and this the 14th of November. It's the 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time. My name is John Keeley and help me present the programme again as usual this morning. Shane Ambrose, good morning to you Shane. Good morning John, how are we keeping? Good thanks, I had to think twice there Shane when I mentioned the 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time. That must mean we're coming very close to the end of the church's year, but more about that later on. Uh, Shane, I know, will uh, will uh, join me in welcoming those who are housebound, uh, those who are lonely and struggling in some way today, and our listeners who support us each week in prayer. I know we say this each week, but I think it's important to include them and to thank them for their prayers. Uh, our podcast, as usual, uh, includes chat and faith topics, inspirational music, reflection on the Sunday Gospel, and of course, all of our, all of our podcasts, in fact, can be heard on commonseeinspirations.buzzspread.com. And also some archived ones uh, going back many years, uh, back 2009, can be accessed through our blog, sacredspace102.blogspot.com. Also on um, Spotify, iTunes, and various Google podcasts. Also on our Facebook page, Come and See Inspirations. If you want to contact us at all, please do so by texting us on 087-6088-667, outside of Ireland, 00353-8760-88667. Or you can email us, and that's on commonseeinspirations at gmail.com. And to continue on the programme as usual, Shane will share some saints for the week, and maybe a few more bits and pieces, Shane, you want to alert us to? Yeah, so, okay, so we do Saints of the Weeks first, John. <clears throat> so, as you said, it's the 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time, so we're going into the 33rd week in Ordinary Time. So we're into the last, second, second last week of the Church's calendar. Next Sunday is the Feast of Christ the King. Uh, for those of us praying the Psalter, we're on week one. Sorry, I nearly said week two. And as well as that, just to note that today, the 14th of the, the Sunday before Christ the King, is the World Day of the Poor, which was uh, set up by Pope Francis in his apostolic letter, Miscordia et Miseria, which marked the end of the Jubilee of Mercy, and established this day saying, saying that it would serve as the worthiest way to prepare for the celebration of the solemnity of Christ the King, who identified with the little ones and the poor, and who will judge us on our works of mercy. So looking at the saints for the week, um, it's... Um, it's a royal week, um, John. I kind of keep forgetting that when we come into November. We have a couple of these where there's a lot of royal saints on the calendar. So starting off, we sent Albert the Great. Now, Albert is a Dominican saint and is one of the great uh, Dominican saints up there with Thomas Aquinas. He died in 1280. Dominican theologian who taught in Cologne, and he is a doctor of the church. He's called the Universal Doctor because of the wide range of his interests. And he's a patron saint of scientists. Then on the 16th, we have the feast day of St. Margaret of Scotland. She died in 1093. She was the wife of King Malcolm III and very much led by her example and her reform of the church in Scotland, including trying to reform her husband. Then, as well as that, on the 16th, we also celebrate the feast day of St. Gertrude, who died in 1302. Now, one of the interesting things about St. Gertrude is she's one of the, she was a Benedictine nun, and from the age of five, she cultivated devotion to the Sacred Heart. So she's one of the saints associated with devotion to the Sacred Heart, and she also advocated frequent communion. Also, people might be aware, St. Gertrude, there is a famous prayer for, of St. Gertrude for the souls and purgatory attributed to her. 
um, as well. And as I said, she died in 1302. Uh, then Wednesday seventeenth, we have another uh, another uh, saint, a royal saint, as far as I know. It's Elizabeth of Hungary. She died in twelve thirty seven. She was queen at fourteen, widowed and exiled at twenty. Um, she joined the Franciscans as a third order Franciscan until her death at the age of twenty four. So she died very young and very much a woman of prayer and service of the poor. And I'm not. I need to double check that, but I think she actually served her exile in Rome itself. Uh, she had seven sons. Uh, no, sorry, I'm mixing something up. That's, 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 that's a different thing. Uh, then the 18th is, Thursday the 18th, is the dedication of the Basilicas of St. Peter and St. Paul's outside the wall. Now, last week, people remember, we had the feast of the dedication of the Cathedral of St. John in the Lateran, which is the Pope's Cathedral in Rome. So this week, we're celebrating the consecration of the Vatican, St. Peter's, and the Basilica of St. Peter outside the walls. Now, the Vatican, this, this dedication is the dedication from 1626, when the Vatican St. Peter's was rebuilt. Um, people will remember that originally the St. Peter's was a 4th century basilica built by Constantine the Great. And then it had to be rebuilt in the, in the middle of the Renaissance, which led us to the slight issue of the indulgences and the Reformation. And all of that carry on that was going on there. And anyway, the church itself, the basilica itself, was finally finished and consecrated in 1626. The, the Basilica of St. Paul's outside the walls is a much younger facility. Um, it was consecrated in 1854. And it's an interesting one because it, it suffered from earthquakes and fires. And it's obviously, um, it's, it's not one that many pilgrims will go to. Now, it's very close. To, as a, I've been myself. There's a, um, there's a train station quite close to it. And it's, it's, quite a nice, it's quite a nice basilica to visit. Now, of course, the thing about both of these basilicas is that obviously Saint the Vatican, St. Peter's, is the burial spot of the Apostle St. Peter, and St. Paul's outside the walls is the burial place of St. Paul the Apostle. And it's interesting, during the year of St. Paul, they actually did some archaeological work at that one in, in outside the walls. And they, they, they do actually believe that the, the archaeology seems to confirm that there is the relics of St. Paul are actually there. So that's the dedication of basilicas of St. Peter and St. Paul. Uh, then on the 19th, we have the feast day of St. Barlam of Antioch is his name. Now, I went east for this one, John, because it's an interesting one. He was an uneducated Christian peasant. And he died in 304 at Caesarea in Cappadocia, which is in modern Turkey. Now, the interesting one about this was that he was jailed for his faith during the persecution of Diocletian. We get a lot of these Diocletian martyrs, people will notice. And he was, okay, he, okay this comes with a breakfast warning. The martyrs always come with breakfast warnings. So he was scourged, racked, tortured, and ordered to deny his faith, all of which he refused. In an effort to make it look as though he had made an incense offering to an idol, the judge had the prisoner's hand covered in incense and then held over the coals of the brazier, the thing where you put the incense into. And he thought that when the Barlam would flinch from the pain, he would drop the incense into the fire and then he could declare that he had made the sacrifice and then he could release him. Instead, Barlam never flinched and his entire hand burnt off and the, ju the judge then gave up on him and had him murdered. <laughs> so that's St. Barlow of Antioch. So, um, so that's just one of our interesting, interesting Eastern saints on the uh, 19th of, of November. 
Uh, the traces of the river. What you say? Interesting. Is that what you call it? <laughs> yeah, that's one that's way to describe yes, it. Yes, it is, yeah. Then finally, on Saturday the 20th, we have the feast day of St. Edmund of East Anglia. So he was the ki- king of the East Angles. He's a martyr. Um, now, he's, he, this man, no, this is ridiculous. This man's feast day has moved around the calendar like the weather. Uh, it's, it's, so he was king at the age of 14. He was crowned on Christmas Day in 855. He was a model ruler, it says, and, with his, and concerned with justice for his people and his own spirituality. Um, he was or he was captured by the invading Danes, and he was ordered to give his Christian people to the pagan invaders, and he was martyred. Now he's generally um, depicted holding an arrow because he was beaten and whipped and shot with arrows until he bristled with them like a hedgehog, and then he was beheaded just to make sure everything was final and proper. And he died in 870 A.D. Now, the interesting thing about it, like I was looking down here, he died in 870 AD, and usually on the thing that I look up, John, that's the line you get, the, you know, the year the saint dies. After that, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine entries telling us how many times the man's relics were moved around because the church he was in, that he was buried in, had a tendency to be burnt down. And they've, so they'd, they'd, they'd rebuild it and move him back in, and then it'd burn again, and they'd rebuild it and move him back in. So anyway, his relics disappeared in 1217 during a French encounter. So they're not quite sure where the poor man ended up. But anyway, that's Edmund of East Anglia, whose feast day we celebrate on the 20th of November. So that's what we had in terms of liturgical odds and ends for this week. Now, in terms of notices, <clears throat> excuse me. So just the two main ones, well, three main ones just for people this week. So first of all, just to remind people, this afternoon, uh, the 14th of November at 3 p.m., the Mass uh, by the Bishops from Knock Shrine is being broadcast at 3 p.m. So that's being carried live on the News RT News channel, which I think is 21, and as well it's been streamed live on, streamed live on the Knock Shrine website. And it's the Bishops' commemoration of all of those who have died during the COVID pandemic. It's a national memorial service. Then just to say to people as well that, just remind you, Advent at the Abbey, so that's our friends in Glenstall. So the Sundays of Advent, starting the 28th of November at 3 p.m., uh, they sorry, 3.30 p.m., they have the talks for the four Sundays of Advent. Now, you can go to the Abbey itself or you can watch online via the Glenstall webcam. Main talks are at 3 p.m., then there's a slight refreshment, then there's reflection through music and art at 5 p.m., and, and those, that, those that attend are invited to join the community for evening prayer at 6 p.m. Um, so that's the Advent at the Abbey Talks. And then also to just remind people of the Advent Talks at Knock, which are going out on the Thursdays of, of Advent. Um, so they are, thank you, pardon, they're going on the Thursday and they're dealing with the Synod uh, on Synodality. So our friend, Father um, Amy Conway, is 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 taking some of those talks so they would be they would be of interest to people um they would be interesting ones i would say for people to tune in with um it's also i suppose just to remind people as well they had that lovely tritium to saint joseph at knock um which finished um it was there until the sixth which also saw the 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 blessing of a new statue of saint joseph 
which is now going to sit in the parish church, I think. Um, yeah, I think it's going to sit in the parish church. So that's just, it's a nice little new thing that Knock has done. Uh, also, actually, just an interesting one, if people wanted to, I meant to say this last week, Knock also has their November list for the dead. So you can, you can, you can include people on the November list of the dead for Knock as well. Now, just the Advent talks, yes, they're the Thursday evenings, the 2nd, the 9th, and the 16th of December at 8.15 p.m. So that's the Advent talks at Knock. So the 2nd, the 9th, and the 16th of December at 8.15 p.m. John? Sure, thanks a lot for that. Really good. Uh, a few breakfast mornings, but apart from that, interesting is what I think is the description we gave. Thanks, Shane, for that. As you mentioned St. Joseph there, um, we thought we'd, we'd share something about St. Joseph or, or a prayer as part of our prayer space uh, this particular week. And the two prayers uh, that we're going to mention there are recommended by, to the faithful by Pope Francis in his apostolic letter declared in the year of St. Joseph, 8th of December 2020. And of course finishes, as Shane said to us a few weeks ago, 8th of December 2021. And the Pope just happened to mention that every day for over 40 years following Lords, I have recited a prayer to St. Joseph taken from the 19th century French prayer book of the Congregation of the Sisters of Jesus and Mary. It expresses demo- devotion and trust and even poses a certain challenge to St. Joseph. So this is the first prayer that he shares with us. Glorious Patriarch St. Joseph, whose power makes the impossible possible, come to my aid in these times of anguish and difficulty. Take under your protection this serious and, tum- and troubling situations that I commend to you, that they may have a happy outcome. My beloved Father, all my trust is in you. Let it not be said that I invoked you in vain. And since you can do everything with Jesus and Mary, show me that your goodness is as great as your power. Amen. And Pope Francis concludes his apostolic letter with this prayer to St. Joseph. Hail, guardian of the Redeemer, spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary, to you God entrusted his only Son. In you Mary placed a trust. With you Christ became man. Blessed St. Joseph, to us too show yourself as Father, and guide us in the path of life. Obtain for us grace, mercy and courage, and and defend us from every evil. Amen. After that, we'll after that we'll listen to the Joseph song by Michael Carr. Come back and join us again in part two. Still 
So welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Kelly. That this part of the program, we we usually like to bring um, uh, to our listeners' attention something around a faith topic. Today, um, I'm delighted to have, to have joined me on the uh, on the podcast, Rose O'Connor, uh, the pastoral implementation manager for the Limic Diocese, and Michael Kelly, who's also involved with the pastoral outreach and formation, and also uh, Con Buckley. Uh, I'll come back to Khan now. Uh, you're very welcome, and thanks indeed for joining us, guys. Thanks very much, thanks, John. John. Thanks, thanks very much. Thank you. Okay, well, what we want to speak to our guest today about is the Lay Pastoral Programme. Rose, what do you want to tell us about yeah. this? Please. Okay, John, thanks very much. So we've been running a Lay Pastoral Ministry Programme, a formation programme um, for just over, well, almost close to two years now, actually, but we had a break during the COVID times. And essentially, um, this program was created out of 
our synod that we had in 2016 and out of the, the pastor plan that was created. And it cuts across a number of different themes in terms of looking at new models of leadership and increasing lay involvement in parishes and in the church. Um, it's also looking at faith formation in terms of additional supports to people in, in growing their faith. And it also goes into the whole area of um, liturgy and life in terms of lay people being involved in liturgies and I suppose uh, kind of looking at the creativity around that and, and you know, kind of um, opening it up to, to other people. Mm. So how the program is structured then is that there's um, two major parts to it. There's a diocesan wraparound element, you know, where the diocese accompanies the program the whole way through. And I, I'll explain a little bit more about that in a minute. And then there's also a two-year certificate program, which is accredited and run by Mary Macula College, by um, the Irish Institute for Pastoral Studies. Father Eamon Fitzgibbon is the, the director of that element of it. So I suppose the, the diocesan phase kicks in first. It's a, um, a six-month phase of discernment for each of the individuals that, that come on the programme. And I suppose it's really helping people to discern what is their calling, what is their kind of vocation, how do they feel called to be involved. And I suppose like the target audience is people who want to be more involved in their parish and in their diocese. So the, there is that discernment phase, initial discernment phase which happens at an individual level, but also at the diocesan level, because at the diocesan level, we would be looking at, you know, geographical coverage and in terms of um, what are the needs that we need to address in the diocese and, you know, what kind of mix of resources that we'd have. So there's, there's that dual kind of discernment phase goes on. I and mean, I suppose, you know, people would be exploring questions like, you know, what am I good at? What am I interested in? What motivates me? And, mm -hmm. you know, what, what is the need that's out there? Um, there's a few different elements where they would also look at, you know, their family of origin, and, you know, explore kind of, I suppose, how that has shaped them and influenced them. And, and I suppose they learn a lot about, you know, family systems and family dynamics and relationships and, and how they can affect us and, you know, kind of triggers and things like that. And they also look at areas like ministry areas in terms of how they would be or how they might um, encounter people in ministry. And I suppose one of the other elements, and I might pass over to Michael really just to talk a little bit about this, would be, you know, what is their own spirituality? And, you know, Michael has a, a kind of a, a nice phrase that, you know, if you took away our kind of actual faith practice, what are you left with? And that's kind of the scaffolding of, of our, our sort of um, faith, really, in terms of spirituality. Michael, you might just like to say something about that. The aspect of the course uh, concerning spirituality uh, encompasses the whole area of wider than any particular faith practice. And it's an interesting part of the course. It might appeal, actually, to people who, in the modern terminology, they're sometimes described as spiritual, but not religious. So there are people who are actively seeking and searching for something transcendental, really, but they don't themselves uh, apply to any particular faith tradition, or they may have grown up with one, but maybe have not rejected it, but aren't practicing that particular faith tradition, yet they are still uh, spiritual human beings, and they see themselves like that. So. Uh, a good aspect and good element of this program, I think, is that there's good discussions uh, amongst a wide range of views and a wide range of topics in the program. Um, and the spirituality, if you like, if you look at it, as Rose just said, if you took away a particular faith practice or particular faith traditions, what's what are you left with? So you go to the, the course, really, the program explores core elements, I think, of human life and humanity, which you will need as a lay minister going back out into the community. Back out in the community, you will be meeting in modern day Ireland, every aspect of life, it's not homogenous. And 
you will need skills for meeting people who uh, did grow up in a paid practice and are still practicing, maybe no longer practicing, maybe hostile to the faith they grew up in, maybe part of a, a new faith, a different culture completely to the Irish one, and um, have no faith and interest in it at all, but yet interest in humanity and, and its spiritual leanings. All that, has, all that mix is involved now if you want to be working in the area of ministry in Ireland, in the, within the community. And I think we're, this program is training people and we need to do this as a society to begin to pick up the roles that once were reserved for religious people, the priests and the nuns. That day is moving on now and we hope this program will give all these participants the skills, the knowledge, the theory, all the aspects that you need to be multifaceted. And the spirituality, as well as faith, particular practice, crucial to that. Thanks for that, Michael. Um, so we come on to the actual program itself that's that's currently <laughs> working its way through. Um, how many lay men and women have you got taking part at the moment in the in, in, in the course in this program? There's currently um, 21 people. Now, we, we've obviously been going through a discernment, so we've had some people who have had to drop out for various reasons, you know, because of family situations mm. and things like that. But at the moment, we have um, 21 people. Um, we have eight men and uh, whatever many women are left out of that, then it's, uh, it's it, it was a kind of a third, two-third proportion. Um, so they, currently, the people we're working with, they've gone through their discernment phase and they are almost finished um, semester two of the certificate. So there's four semesters within that. Um, and within that, they're looking at things like the theology of ministry and um, pastoral theology and theological reflection and the whole thing around liturgy and sacraments. So those are the kind of areas that we're, we're working through at the moment. Are there any particular requirements needed of an applicant before they, before they start the course? Uh, no, there is no, um, there's no academic kind of uh, prerequisite, if you like. It's open to everyone. I suppose, um, like, it's, I suppose the target really is people who want to be more involved in ministry. Yeah, like, there's a yeah. huge opportunity for self-reflection and for, um, you know, I suppose, uh, growing your own faith, actually, as part of it. It's quite a nourishing program in that sense. But it's really, like, our aim, strategic aim, is to have greater lay involvement, you know, in the sort of, when we talk about team ministry at the moment, that's mostly priests working together. We want to open that up. So that, that's really who, who the target audience is. And uh, thanks a lot for bringing on one of the participants in this programme uh, to join us today. Welcome to the programme, Con Buckley, who's a member of the course. How are you, Con? Uh, hi, John. How are you getting on? Good, good to be here. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm here to answer your questions. Okay. So. Can what parish are you from, by the way? And how did how how did you get to hear about this particular program? Right. Briefly, I am from Saint Munchen's Parish in okay. Limerick. Okay. Uh, now I've only moved down to Limerick very, very relatively recently. I moved down in 2016. I wouldn't have any real connection with Limerick. I have no connection with Limerick actually. Came to live here. And I would have been involved, I, you know, I was obviously, well, not obviously, but I, I would be, uh, the, you know, really part of my life is, yeah. is, is, is my faith. And I was going to my local church. Now, this could be accidental or it could be whatever, but I remember I was getting kind of fed up. And I remember saying to a neighbor, you know, I think I'm not going to go down to the church anymore. I might go somewhere else. And she said to me, well, you should really get involved in something before you do that. 
And I said, yeah, like what? And she said, well, why don't you get involved with the choir? So I did. And I remember, I want to say this because this is important for me. I was down, I joined the choir. There was some kind of a social thing one evening. And I remember saying to one of the women, I was sitting down, uh, it was somebody's birthday. And I said, you know, I don't really know that many. I know no one. And I don't, uh, I don't really belong anywhere, especially here, you know. And she said, oh, no. You're one of us now. You belong. And I remember being terribly moved by mm, that. Mm. I mean, it was a marvellous natural thing to say. Mm. And I suppose that really got me in that. I mean, I, 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 I realised that it was a community. It wasn't an individual, just me going down to the church and how I feel, that there was actually um, a community aspect to it, which you'd imagine would be obvious. But for somebody like me who hasn't really connected with any kind of community, that much in my life. That was a significant moment. I suppose looking back at it now, I could say definitely a Holy Spirit uh, uh, instrumental uh, flash there. So after that, I, I got to know a few people and went to the parish council. And I must be honest, I became aware that, you know, the parish is, it was working, it's working on a pretty small uh, core of, of, of people, a pretty, you know, a, a small core of people and people who could do with a bit of, I'm not saying that they were unenergetic, but, you know, that I was depending on other people to do things. And I thought, you know, I should start doing something. Um, the pastoral course came up. Um, I would be influenced by the Pope Francis as well, who's made it pretty clear. I'm not saying I kind of obey Pope Francis's orders or anything, but I am actually very, I do, I, I read what he says a lot. Um, I, I have great uh, admiration for him. And I, he, he has said, I've read, you know, it's everybody's responsibility to evangelize. That's what we're all here for. It's not just priests or people who are specifically, you know, designated for whatever uh, role. And I have tried to take that seriously. I feel sometimes kind of uncomfortable with it because I think I'm not really a holy person. How come I'm doing this? And am I, am I really faking this? But anyway, that's that's the process I have to deal with with myself. But when when I was introduced to it, then I said, "Sure, I'll give it a try." And like a lot of things, I, I could say I kind of came into it by accident. Um, I haven't um, I haven't regretted it. So that's how I got into it, and um, you know that same sense of community I found in the group as well. Um, there is a there's a kind of a bond, and. Just on an, on an ordinary existential level, that's a marvellous thing. It's a marvellous thing to feel because I think a lot of people nowadays feel very, very um, isolated, cut off from community. Mm -hmm. So if I was to answer your question after all that, I'd say I came into it because I actually want to belong to something and I want to give not just something. I, I belong to my my faith, my my my. Uh, my parish and I want to give something back and I want to because the church is not going to keep going if we don't it's it's going to it's going to fade into something I don't confine myself either just taking on what Michael said I wouldn't see this as being confined pastoral ministry or what I'm interested in to just people who are Catholic or who are mass scores or who are active members in a parish I think it applies it is much wider um, I think the benefits I'm not saying that I would necessarily bring them, but I mean the benefits are people are calling out for 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 the for for the type of thing that might be provided. 
in this uh, ministry. I'm not saying it'll be the only thing. So how's that? Is that I, a I tell you, I, I reckon you were listening to the Holy Spirit. That's the only thing I can say to you. Uh, right, and that kind, and, and kind. Um, so you've joined the formation program. What's been your your experience so far with the program? Um, I I would say the first thing is that I mean it's it's very it's it's a well constructed program. It's not over um, academic, but yet at the same time there's enough meat there to 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 be. It's a, it's serious. It's not just kind of what do you feel like doing and how's it going kind of stuff. There's a bit of theory and uh, wisdom of accumulated wisdom and teaching or whatever, if you want to use that word, to kind of uh, think about. Um, we did a course, we did in the first term, we did um, a self-development course, which was really interesting. I mean, it was very interesting, which you, I would say would be of interest and of importance to anyone, regardless of pastoral training or anything. Was, as Rose mentioned it too, family of origin, uh, self awareness. So that, that has been fundamental. Um, the course itself, as I say, is well balanced. We do one weekend, it's really a Friday night and a Saturday, uh, once a month for four months. Um, this, this particular one now is September, October, November, December, and then this January, February, March, and April. And that's it. There aren't any exams. There's a few. There's a few assignments, and uh, really, a lot of it is up to yourself to, to read. There's uh, we have um, you know the facility to 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 form whatever kind of groups we want. And uh, like for example, now last week, our our a, a group of us we were preparing a sort of a small liturgy or prayer for this Friday and Saturday. And that has been interesting. Um, as you know, the pastoral placement—that's a very important part of it—and uh, it's really interesting. It's very interesting. It's it's absolutely great. Not just because of the one I'm doing that I like. Um, I think it makes it's that's the thing I would say. It's very much a practical thing as well. And as has been said, um, the spirituality is like it's the sort of rock of the whole thing, you know. Um, but to anyone who'd be thinking of it. I just want to say, I didn't have it. Rose mentioned discernment. I think I'm still on the discernment. <laughs> I don't know when it's going to actually, when the, the lights are going to go on. I mean, you know, it's okay not to be sure of it. Uh, it's a good, it's a very, very enjoyable experience of being with people and having some kind of aspiration anyway to, to, to do some good for, for oneself and one's community. And, that's it. That's how I find it, anyway. From what I hear you saying, Michael, you, you, uh, sorry, it's Con, um, you, you, you've certainly picked up an awful lot of ideas uh, and, and thought processes as you've gone through the course. And I, from what I also hear, you're fairly open as to where the Holy Spirit will lead you when you finish with the programme. That must yes. be pretty exciting, though, in, in that you're not going to limit yourself to do this particular form of uh, evangelization, whatever you might want to call it, you, you're going to be open to where to where the the Holy Spirit's going to lead you, but you've got a lot of the tools that have been given to you along the program. Yeah. fair enough to say. That's very, very yeah. You've put it very well there. I mean, I think from my own experience of it, it's quite daunting sometimes not to kind of have this is what you do, this is what you get at the end of it, and then you do this. That's kind of like 
that would be great in some ways because that's what you kind of that's what a lot of people would you know I like I like the clarity of that but the challenge for me and I can only say it's for me is to be uh, to keep the the trust the trust in in the Holy Spirit I mean the, the I was listening to the psalm in today's readings and it was trust in the Lord and I thought how amazing that that is what is being said this morning, because I was kind of thinking, how am I going to talk like to you and what am I going to say and all this stuff? And I was like, I don't really have a kind of an idea of a clear package, but uh, I, I, I do. Yes, it is for me. And I think it, it is, as you say, exciting. And uh, it's very I don't know. You get a totally different feeling about, about what being a person of faith is about I have anyway that it's it's actually not about um, I don't mean now to to maybe open some kind of can of worms but it's not about certainty it's actually about being trust trust trusting and believing in uncertainty and that's that's a, that's 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 a different type of thing I think to what a lot of us would have thought. A ministry or lay participation would be about. We would have thought that it was about certainty, and and and, and you know a, a very very clear kind of model. Whereas we're more, I think anyway. But I'm only I can only say this is for me. I'm sure other people have totally may have different uh, way of, re- of speaking about this. But for me, it is about hope and it's about trust and. Uh, that's, that is very exciting. And it's a great privilege as well, I think, for me. I was talking to a friend of mine this morning who's not feeling very well. And I said to him, I don't talk now about this very often. We were just sitting down and I was saying, in all honesty, I wasn't I wasn't evangelizing, I can assure you. I'd be afraid to in this case. And I said, I said, you know, I said, um, what was, I was saying, you know, God, you know, you can believe in God and still be confused. You can still, you know, believing in God doesn't mean that you don't experience confusion, because I know he is not a believer. And he said to me, he said, well, if you do experience confusion or if you're experiencing pain in your life and you don't believe in God, it's a hell of a lot more difficult. And I thought, well, there you are. And I didn't say it. He said it. So, you know what I mean? Well, Michael, from what I hear you say, you know, you know, just to finish off, um, from what I sort of hear you say is that you've got one good pal at your right hand and your left hand side, and that's the Holy Spirit. And you are just um, being taken to a place where I'm sure that the, that the Lord wants you to be, and you're not going to be alone. You, you, you're going to go wherever you're taken. Thanks a lot for sharing uh, for sharing that story with us because I'm sure there's an awful lot of people out there who would have heard various parts about what you've just said and it would encourage them maybe to take up the baton themselves maybe to offer themselves in whatever way might be afforded to them thanks a lot uh, Con for, for coming on thank you John now going back now to, to maybe to Michael um, so I suppose after listening to, to, to Con there now and with the experience that Khan and his colleagues would have um, would have gone through uh, on this particular program, how would you see it working out in parish life now, from going forward now, Michael? This program, the, the, these people going out to the yeah, court. we hope the participants will be able to be involved in their own parish life, obviously. But even wider than that, 
Uh, we're looking at this from a diocesan point of view. So there's a load of skills and talents within this student bunch doing the program that we can see could be applied in different parts of the diocese, not necessarily their own parish. So in the coming year, that's where we're going to focus on as well, is how to apply uh, their skills and their abilities to work wherever the need is. So, yes, I obviously in people's own parish, they can and will become involved in pastoral life. Um, but, it, but it's wider than that. Um, yeah. At, so, at the same time, I, I, the new course will start begin and the second phase will begin running. But in finishing the first phase, which is the inaugural course, uh, it'll be important to see where people can fit into the uh, dimensions of pastoral life across the um, big needs, huge needs. Um, but I'd be very confident this, in my opinion, is a, an exceptionally talented group of people and able group of people. And the area of pastoral care and all the works that go on in pastoral life is not probably very well documented in modern Irish life, but it's a, a big need, I think, from any particular community's point of view. And I have no doubt about this bunch of people being able to fulfill those needs. After listening to Khan, I've got no doubt about that. Um, but but going back to the you know to this particular program and the following one, did you say there was a following one coming up sometime in the springtime? Is there? There is indeed, and in fact, next week uh, we're kicking off information nights on it. Um, in in Limerick, people want to attend. I'll give you the details in a second. But the current program will run next year to finish off both the Mary Macklet academic section and the wraparound diocesan uh, element. And in January, we start phase two. And we're looking to see, are people interested in uh, applying to this program for phase two? Um, they can contact us, but we, we have three information nights coming up in the next week. Um, if people are interested, I can give you the dates. On Monday night, we're in Ratkeel. Tuesday night, uh, we're in the center, the diocesan center here in Carberley. And Wednesday night we're on online through Zoom. So whichever suits people to attend if they're interested. Um, we'll be there, the organizers. There might be a couple of the participants, current participants there as well, because to hear the testimony of someone like Khan is really the best information uh, you can give rather than just brochures. But there might be technical questions people want to know, or some people might be off fearful of the academic demand, which is there, but it's not of, as Khan said, it's not of a great uh, level. We're much more interested actually in the overall, um, if you like, pastoral element of the program rather than diocese, rather than academic uh, achievement. Somebody were interested in attending any of those nights, do they have to book their place through the pastoral centre or how would they go about it? Yes, there is a, a registration process. Um, if you, if at the moment, if you go on our um, website, you'll see we have our pastoral outreach for autumn. There is a link through there um, and we have a specific link. Then once you express an interest on that um, site there, we can send you another link then to pick whichever night you want to go to. Particularly for the online one, we need to have people registered because we need their email address to send them a Zoom link. But I suppose we would really encourage anybody who's out there that is thinking, you know, you might already be involved in your parish and you might welcome having a more of a sort of a grounding, you know, a sort of theological grounding and a sort of um, 
a time to reflect on, on, you know, ministry and maybe where you can go with that in the future. So I would really encourage people, you know, we've quite a mixed group of people and there's great diversity in our group at the moment. And um, I think it's, it's a very enriching experience. You know, it is it's a commitment course uh, but I think for the most part it's been very rich for people and certainly we're beginning to see it already even in terms of their placements um you know people are looking at areas like um sacramental sacramental preparation support particularly to the parents of children for sacraments and funerals stroke bereavement ministry and you know the evangelization through programs like alpha that Anne was talking about there and you know, we very practical programs and looking at creative ways of praying. There's, there's a whole lot of new um, strings to our bow because of the people in the program and what they're offering. So you know, I would really encourage people to come along and hear a bit more and ask your questions and um, see if this is something for you. And you know, we'd be delighted to see you. Do they have to uh, attend in person or, or can they uh, connect via the, Zoom? Monday night, um, there's a Monday the 15th of November is Rathkeel House Hotel. That's from 7.30 to 9. Mm. Then Tuesday the 16th of November is in the Diocesan Centre in the city. So we try to kind of pick a county location in the city. And then the Thursday, the um, 18th of November, it will be on Zoom. So that'll be an online version. And okay. if people didn't want to attend in person, they can go on the online version. And it'll be the same thing we repeat each night, but just to give people a chance. But some people like to physically arrive at a, a venue and um, others can, can do the online version. Listen, guys, thank you very much indeed for coming on um, to Rose and to Michael, and especially Khan. Khan, you, you might come on again maybe later on and, and um, maybe when the when the programme has, has completed this course, and maybe yeah. tell us, you know, how you found the course and maybe what your plans might be for the future. I'd be delighted to. Thank, Thank you, very John. Much. Yeah. Rose, I, as usual, I ask you for a piece of music uh, to play, which might be mm -hmm. opportune to play. What piece of music would you like us to play? So I, I chose Here I Am, Lord. It's um, by John Michael Talbot, but of course it's, it's from Isaiah. And I suppose I just thought it was particularly apt because here we're really talking about people saying, like, here I am, you know, what do I need to do or what, what is my calling kind of thing. So that's my suggestion for you today, John. Again, thank you very much, Neil, for coming on. And thanks again for facilitating um, these resources that I'm sure people in the diocese will appreciate. Take care and we'll speak thanks, to you John. again, guys. the Lord of sea and sky, I have heard my people cry, all who dwell in dark and sin, my hand will save. I who made the stars of night, I will make their darkness bright. Who will bear my light to them? Whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord. Here I will go, Lord.
So welcome back again to the third part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Kelly, still joined by Shane Ambrose. This part of the program is we read and reflect on the Word of God, the Sunday Gospel. And before that, Shane shares this prayer for us before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this Word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So the Gospel for today is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verse 24 to 32. Jesus said to his disciples, In those days, after the time of distress, the sun will be darkened, the moon will lose its brightness, the stars will come falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming, in the clouds with great power and glory. And then too he will send the angels to gather his chosen from the four winds, from the ends of the world to the ends of the heaven. Take the fig tree as a parable. As soon as its twigs grow supple and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. So, so with you. 
when you see these things happening, know that he is near at the very gates. I tell you solemnly, before this generation has passed away, all these things will be will have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But as for the day or the hour, no one, no one knows it. Neither the angels of heaven, nor the Son, no one but the Father. So that's the Gospel for today, uh, for the 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time. Shane, a few thoughts on that one? Um, yes, John, an interesting an interesting Gospel for us um, this week. Uh, now, I'll be honest, it's not an easy one to deal with. Um, <laughs> myself and John were talking about before we recorded how exactly we were going to handle this one. And we said, "As sure, do you know what? We're not sure about the gospel. We'll, we'll look at the we'll look at the first reading. The first reading was bad. <laughs> it's, from prophet, it's from the prophet Daniel. So I suppose we can't really avoid it. So what's what's been put up in front of us here this week? So as we approach the end of the liturgical year, the church looks in her readings and in her liturgies at kind of the last things, you know." And I suppose it's not something that we, we, we like to hear. It's not something we like to listen about. It's not something that's very much preached about anymore when we talk about the last things. And from a Christian point of view, the four last things, of course, are um, death, judgment, heaven, and hell, <clears throat> as the old catechism would tell us. And I suppose that's the problem. We don't really like to think about it because it's death, judgment, heaven, and hell. And we don't like to judge ourselves and say, well, we're not being great. We haven't been this. We haven't been that and all the rest of it. Um, but the gospel this week is very much, it's drawing on um, the section of Mark's gospel in chapter 13 that deals with the issues around the end of the world. Now, the important thing to be taken from it is the scripture scholars generally say to us, it's not to be read literally. It's leaning very much heavily on the traditional language and ideas from the Old Testament, the apocalyptic language it's called. Um, you know, and it's it's we're to look at it, I suppose, from the point of view of its inner meaning of what these things are speaking about. And it's the whole idea that the whole cosmos is waiting for the return of Jesus. These cosmic disturbances about the sun, the moon and the stars and their traditional ways of describing manifestations of God's judgment for Israel. Um, you know, and for Mark, it's it's I suppose it's the idea that, you know, Christ, the Son of Man, will gather all God's people, wherever they are, into his kingdom. And the focus is very much on the saving work of the Son of Man and the hope that's there for people who are in a situation of suffering and pain. And I suppose, which is an interesting or an important point as well, because Mark was writing his gospel at a time when there was intense persecution of the early Christians. So it's, it's also to bear that in mind. Um, you know, it's, it's also, I suppose, that... There's no mention um, of, I suppose, of the the resurrection or final judgment. It's very much the focus on Jesus returning to earth and appearing to all in his own in his glory. You know, as in of, as it's described, God's own majesty. Um, now, the interesting thing, of course, is they don't answer us. They don't give a precise timeline when this is all going to happen. Um, you know, but and Jesus very much clearly says that only the Father is aware of it. Um, so even so, actually, the early ex Christians expected Jesus to come back in their own lifetimes. Um, you know, this generation, and that's kind of covered in the line, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Um, you know, and you have to remember when this gospel was written, 
it was around the time of the destruction of Jerusalem. So obviously, if, if you're <clears throat> living in the world at that part, of, uh, living in that part of the world at that time, obviously that would seem like a catastrophe, you know, in that regard. Um, the other thing, I suppose, is that that parable on the fig tree, and um, the tree, I suppose, it only sprouts its leaves in late spring, and then so when the buds appear, everyone knows that the summer is coming. It's very close. Um, so, you know, um, and I suppose the idea is the obviousness of the time of the coming of the Son of Man will just be as recognizable as the fig tree, you know, telling people that summer was going to come. Um, so his disciples, I suppose, it's the idea that we should be ready. You know, this is going to happen. Um, but the whole idea is for us is not that we are... Um, all caught up in adrenaline mode with us, but the reminder to us as Christians that we are called to be ready because we know now that the hour and the place when this is going to happen. Um, you know, and it's not for us to worry about it. Worrying is not going to help. Um, you know, but we should also kind of just be practical about it. So, you know, as we're heading into Advent in a couple of weeks' time, think about things like, well, when was the last time you got confession? Or, you know, uh, and things like that just in terms of preparation uh, and awareness of it and I suppose the whole idea with this Sunday's gospel is that you know we must be ready to welcome him because on his part Jesus is ready to welcome us and accept us as his beloved children um, you know the Lord is good and he gives us signs which will announce his return it's up to us to be watchful you know to await with him and see what is going to happen John, there's a few thoughts for this week's one. <clears throat> yeah, thank you very much, Neil, for that. Um, I decided just to take something from Michael Vertaille, uh my good friend over the, over the last number of years since I've been <clears throat> involved here with the podcast. And this morning, Michael says, Lord, we remember with gratitude the times of crisis in our lives. A spouse proved unfaithful. We lost our job. We fell into a serious sin. We learned we were seriously ill. We lost someone dear to us. Our world fell apart in those days, after that time of distress. The sun was darkened, the moon lost its brightness, the stars came falling from heaven, and the great powers of heaven were shaken. But you did not abandon us. In the midst of that turmoil we received grace. We understood for the first time the meaning of faith. We discovered inner resources we didn't know we had. Friends rallied round us. We experienced your saving power coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And sending your angels to gather us, your chosen ones who had been scattered to the four winds from the ends of the earth, uh, from the ends of the world to the ends of heaven. A few of the thoughts there from Michael Vertai this morning. I suppose the only thing that I take from the gospel today. I, I, it's certainly a challenge and it's certainly something maybe we don't want to face as Shane said but there's a certain amount of hope there a lot of hope there so all of the Gospels somewhere within them have that element of hope so again that brings us to the end of another podcast today thanks Shane for, for sharing all that information for us in, in, in part one including the saints interesting ones as we said this morning and a few notices and also the Gospel gospel reflection the final piece of music this morning is because he lives I can face tomorrow so come back and join us again next week where we'll invite more guests to join us um, and 
help us to continue on our journey towards the end of the year, the church's year, and the beginning of Advent. So it's intent from myself and Shane. Thanks again for joining us again. Enjoy the week, and we'll talk to you again next week. God bless now. Bye. Bye. Because he lives